Welcome to this podcast episode of Narcissists in Divorce, The Narcissist Trap. I'm Dr. Supriya McKenna. I'm a former family doctor, but my life's true work is working with people who have fallen prey to narcissistic relationships of any kind. But I'm particularly busy in the area of divorce. Over the last few years, I've been very proud to become an Amazon best-selling author on the subject of narcissism, and my brand new book, Narcissists in Divorce, From Love Locked to Leaving, is out right now on Amazon. That's the first book in the Narcissists in Divorce series, and the follow-on to that will be out in the spring, and that's called Narcissists in Divorce, From Leaving to Liberty. And please do note that although I use the word divorce, these books are equally applicable to anyone leaving a serious intimate relationship with a narcissist, whether they are married or not. I also have a book out called The Narcissist Trap, The Mind-Bending Pull of the Great Pretenders. And that book might be useful in helping the people around you who are supporting you to understand more about what happened to you and about narcissism generally. I'm also the co-author with British divorce lawyer Karen Walker of Narcissism and Family Law, a practitioner's guide. And between us, Karen and I have trained thousands of family law professionals in narcissistic personality disorder, including judges, lawyers, mediators and social workers. For further narcissism resources from me, please do visit thelifedoctor.org or drsapria.com. And that web address has the doctor fully spelt out. Today, Karen and I are very pleased to be able to welcome a special guest onto the show because today we are joined by Dr. Daksha Hirani. Now, Daksha is a chartered clinical psychologist. She's Associate Fellow of the British Psychological Society and she's a member of the Healthcare Professional Council. Daksha's had over 20 years of experience in the field of clinical psychology and crucially, one of her specialist areas is working with those who have suffered from narcissistic abuse, whether that be at the hands of a partner, a parent, a sibling, friend, work colleague or boss or anyone else. Daksha has a private practice in London and if you want to reach her, her website is www.parmi.co.uk and that's Parmi, P-A-R-M-I. So thank you so much for joining us, Daksha. Thank you very much, Supriya, lovely. And Karen, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, it's our pleasure. And so Daksha, we've seen lots of different figures quoted for the prevalence of narcissistic personality disorder. Um, what, what do you think um, the level of prevalence is? And, and do you think it is on the increase? And if so, why might that be? I think there are very many different studies and epidemiological studies that will come up with different figures. But I think to safely mm-hmm. say that in your world, for men, I would say between 7 to 15 men for every 100. Right, so 7 to 15 percent, mm-hmm. you think, in men. Yes, exactly. And um, and then between 4 to 8 percent mm-hmm. in women mm-hmm. will meet the diagnostic criteria of narcissistic personality disorder. But remember, the criteria is on a spectrum. You've got the extreme end and you've got the sort of the, the lower end. And depending on what you're going to be uh, where you section it you can then either say it's 11 percent, or even 25 percent, or 30 yeah. percent. so it depends on wh- where in the spectrum you're going, to, you're going to say it it is but in terms of you know is it on the increase absolutely i i'm convinced that it is on the increase because if you think of the way our society is set up mm-hmm. 
you know, what is seen as a successful life is power and money. Uh, and we reward it. We reward power and money, you know, as, as a status thing. It depends on where you're going. So if you're going to be veering towards power and money, yeah. you know, there is that sense of self-absorbed, self-serving nature that is all narcissistic. So you think it's actually on the increase as a, as a result of the way that society rewards mm. those kind of traits of narcissism. So the kind of in, being in pursuit of wealth and power and status yeah. and, and, and possibly social media as well. I'm never sure whether social media just makes narcissism more visible because it's it's a great playground for narcissists to play in, obviously. Um, so I, I never really know whether it's just that we see them more because we see them on social media more or whether that is actually making narcissism more acceptable socially. And so more and more people are just sort of unconsciously taking it on and becoming more narcissistic it's so interesting it is and you know Supriya I, I agree wholeheartedly with what you've just said I, I was speaking to a um, high school teacher the other day and you know they're A-level students I says what are your students uh, hoping to as- and aspiring to be and she just looked at me in exasperation and says you know what if only I could get it out of their heads that being an influencer is not the only profession in the world yes Yes, I want to be a famous YouTuber. <laughs> I, I watched the final of Love Island out of curiosity. The contestants obviously are aspiring to have a zillion followers on Instagram or wherever. Um, and it's seen as such a success from a personal perspective and also obviously from a business perspective for the producers. But that's what everybody's being fed every night at nine o'clock. On the one level, it may be a very um, socially relevant program, but on another, you can see that it absolutely feeds yeah. um, this sort of thing. And it normalises narcissism in our general mm. society, which makes it even easier for the, the, the narcissists in our midst to hide in plain sight, I think, because it, it's just mm. something that we consider to be normal. I have a bugbear with the programs like, you know, Love Island or the influences, because, you know, if you have actually done something to, to make the world a better place and you've educated yourself, you've got some knowledge to share with the world, you know, that the world is actually improving. If you think of how narcissism comes about in the mm. first place, if you're talking about the, mm. the nurture aspect of it, it's where somebody is told that they're amazing and they're great and they're like godly son or whatever without actually equipping mm. the person with mm-hmm. the tools that are needed yeah. to be great. You know, the hard yeah. work, the, the actual mm. substance that comes behind great people. I mean, that is certainly one way, isn't it, that narcissism comes about is by, by overvaluing the child um, when they haven't actually sort of achieved um, it to the yeah. level that they're saying that they have, you know, my little princess, my special little prince, all of that stuff, you know. But also, of course, it's the other way. You can become a narcissist from from being invalidated as well and having a narcissistic parent who, who devalues oh. you. So you then want to prove mm. to the world that you're special because you don't feel special because you've been sort of belittled. And you're constantly seeking approval. So all those um, like buttons that uh, are, are just playing to that requirement. Yes. I also want to ask you about the, the cultural elements of narcissism. You know, do you think that in certain cultures, I mean, we've already talked about, you know, is narcissism becoming more prevalent? But do you think that in certain cultures, narcissism is is more prevalent? Uh, the reason I ask this is because, you know, I'm from an Indian background and 
just growing up and looking around, I think I've sort of seen more narcissism because, you know, it was the kind of male domination sort of thing that was, you know, in the society that I was growing up in. Men were allowed to sort of dominate women. It seemed to me that narcissism seemed to be more prevalent in, in that um, that kind of scenario. What, what, what are your thoughts on that? I'll tell you what, I think any culture that is collectivist in nature Mm-hmm. So there is the sense that the gr- the good of the the greater good of everybody is far superior and far outweighs your personal self is going to be one where there is a huge prevalence of narcissism. That's really interesting. Yeah, because uh, if you think about it, you know your sense of self is completely uh, devalued. Yeah. You know you yourself are not important. The group is more important than you as the individual. Mm. So you let go of your sense of self. I was brought up as a, as a devout Orthodox Hindu. And my mom said, you know, selflessness and giving, giving, giving empathy just is, is a virtue. Mm. <laughs> and that was the same thing that made me very susceptible yeah. to narcissistic abuse. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you, and you think that, you know, it's sort of you there'll be high incidence of victims in collectivist cultures because of these kind of values that are instilled, which are not necessarily helpful. Mm. And uh, because, you know, there's selflessness and there's self-care. Mm-hmm. And, and the two get completely mixed up a lot of the time. And in cultures, in collectivist cultures, you, you also get the, the sense that there is the male patriarchal so, you know, the, the patriarch of the, the, the group is the one in power. It really does not help when the individual is not valued at the same time. So I'm thinking about honour killings, etc. here, where, you know, the, the individual is completely um, put down. Probably the most extreme example there is of that kind of collectivist culture. I think there is a balance. You know, I love the fact that, you know, my heritage is so rich and I get so much out of it. And I also love the fact that I've got the best of the West. Uh, mm-hmm. So to find a middle ground where you take the good from the collectivist and you take mm-hmm. the good from the individualistic cultures, and then you find your own mm. niche and your own group of people that actually mm. are cheerleading you. Oh, I can't think of anything. You know, it just gives me the chills. I'm so excited about that sort of setup where you can create that uh, and have the best of both yeah. worlds. Yeah, that, it's a really that's such an interesting way of looking at it: the collectivist versus the the individualist. Um, ways of thinking really really interesting I'd never really thought of it like that before I just sort of noticed the cultural differences your work principally is focused on helping the victims of narcissistic abuse but do you think that narcissism itself can be cured by therapy no Mm. it's it's a simple answer but it's a little bit nuanced than that because uh, I do have people who will present uh, to me and they have narcissistic traits Uh And I do work with them and I'm happy to work with them because they're presenting because they know that it's their life isn't working. You know, people around them are just flaking off. They don't know what they're doing in their behavior that they can do to change so that Mm. they can have a better sense of life. Now, remember, these are not going to be on the very extreme end. Yeah, that's important. Really important to say. Yeah. Yeah, because... If you are at the extreme end, not only um, will you think that your life is fine and that there's nothing wrong with you in any event, say that self-evaluation that would cause you to seek help in the first place is, I guess, only going to be experienced by those who are at the lower end of the spectrum and therefore have that glimmer of empathy that allows them to be um, self-evaluating. 
Yes, and it's not even a glimmer of uh, empathy. It's a it's a glimmer of knowing that their life isn't working out. Right. It's still always about them. It's never about the other person. Mm. But what you can do is you can change their behavior, and they can change their behavior, but not their inclination or intention. To illustrate this point, let me turn the uh, turn it around. For example, you know, uh, Supriya, you have an empathetic, you're an empathetic person, Karen, as are you and, and myself. Now, if somebody say to you, mm-hmm. you have got to be, you've got to stop being empathetic because it is not working in your benefit. You can change the behavior in that, you know, you can say, right, if I go in this situation uh, with a narcissist, I absolutely need to draw this boundary because it is dangerous for me. But mm-hmm. your ability to empathize with the person will still mm-hmm. be there. So you can change your behavior, but your core isn't going to change. In the same way, earlier on, Superior, you were saying that, you know, you, you can't help but empathize with the narcissist because it must be horrible to be them. You know, you can't change that part of you. That is just mm-hmm. who you are. And in the same way, a narcissist is very, very self-absorbed mm-hmm. and self-serving. You will never change that aspect. But they, they can be taught to say, well, you can continue that way, but you're heading down this route. And they can change their behavior. I read about this example where you can get a narcissist to keep time and to turn up to meetings, but then you can't really make them hear and listen and be present at the meeting. So you can't change them at the core. And and I wonder, sometimes I sort of think, is that morally right then to sort of change the way that they present to the world, change their external presentation to the world? Because aren't they just sort of duping people even more? I'm not sort of slating you here, but yes, yeah. you know, aren't you teaching narcissists how to sort of um, perhaps be more non-narcissistic in the way that they present to the world? To get away with it better. <laughs> yeah get away with it more when inside they're thinking all the devaluing things they're thinking all the terrible things and they're seeking um, external validation but they're presenting in a sort of better way so are you are they duping the people around them more you're very right and you it has you have to be very very careful i think if a narcissist is going to improve their behavior so they are more in line with what is acceptable in society that's a good thing if and only if they are not spreading suffering and cruelness into the world. So, for example, devaluing and the rage and the anger management, you can do all of those. Now, what I have found, and I've, I've seen narcissists who've gone for years of therapy, and they've used those years of therapy to make themselves into worse, more dangerous narcissists. Yeah, yeah, because they can hide more. They can hide more and they adapt. They end up learning how to adapt, because that's what narcissists do. They, they look and they scan. It's almost like a really good behavioral scientist that if I do A, I get B. Oh, and if I do C, I get D. Oh, wow. And if I, so there, there is all of that to think about as well. So the, the ones that present to me that I have worked with have been primarily not on the severe scale, as yeah. I say. And mm-hmm. I'm very clear to make sure that there's a balance between the behavior that they present and the dangers yeah. of the, the intentions, if they're going with unwholesome intentions, what the dangers really are. interesting. I've got to ask you this as a sort of follow-on from this. Lots of people, lots of victims of narcissistic abuse will say to me, oh, but we were so in love and, you know, um, he or she definitely loved me and it's all changed now and et cetera, et cetera. And I, I try not to say to them, narcissists aren't really able to love not in the meaningful in the way that that a normal you know non-narcissistic person is is able to love and I'm just wondering what you think about that 
narcissists and love. What's your take on that? My, my take on it is uh, deep down, narcissists cannot mm-hmm. truly love. Not only other people, but themselves mm-hmm. either. Mm-hmm. The level of awareness and insight is so shallow that they cannot see the consequences. Uh, you know, like Karen, you were saying that when somebody's in that annihilation uh, mm-hmm. route, they, they end up annihilating themselves in the process, but they cannot see it. When you are feeling in love, and certainly I, I have clients who say, yeah, but the sex was so mm-hmm. good, but we were so intimate, and that was it felt like a magical connection. you know. And I always tell them, absolutely, your love was absolutely true. You loved fully and wholly, and you, you want to validate that because that was pure mm-hmm. and good, yeah. and there's nothing wrong in loving. Mm-hmm. But it's to slowly start to recognize that if you are loving somebody, and they treat you in this manner, in that manner, in that manner, then that cannot be true love. It's because you're able that at that point, you were serving the narcissist. The Mm -hmm. narcissist was Mm -hmm. able to get Mm -hmm. all this validation, all this adoration. They were soaking it in. And because they were soaking in it, you were the center of that's why they put you on a pedestal because you were just the most amazing source of narcissistic supply in those initial stages and and throughout the relationship at times as they sort of go through the cycle of idealization and 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 devaluation when they're idealizing they go back to that amazing sort of love bombing type of of phase and you know we've sort of described it as kind of holding a mirror the narcissist is holding a mirror up to your own adoration to your own love and reflecting it back to you as if it's coming from them but actually it isn't coming from from them it's just merely a kind of a reflection of your own love because it serves them at the end of the day it serves them it gives them fuel gives them narcissistic supply mm. it stops them from having to face their own true feelings of worthlessness and inadequacy so yeah love isn't real my brand new book narcissists in divorce from love locked to leaving is out now for more information and online courses about narcissism please do check out my websites, thelifedoctor.org or drsapria.com.